0: Hey friends, thanks for joining us. We're back with Irresistible Grace. Uh, we took some time off because I had my baby boy, so now I have three girls and a boy. Yay, he's the love of my life.
1: Yeah, he's so great. We just got to see him just for a second today, but it was—it just brought a smile to my face. He's so awesome. Yeah, I'm sure it did, because
0: it's a real joy to just be by him.
2: And he is a chunkster.
0: Yeah, he's six weeks today, and I put him in six-month pajamas. Oh my
1: goodness.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So good. Hey, I'm Miriam. I'm Vika. And I'm Ellen. Welcome to Irresistible Grace. We are three friends who love helping each other grow in sanctification. We are blessed that God has given us the ability to do life together.
2: This podcast exists to gather women together and have conversations about faithfully living the Christian life,
1: fulfilling our biblical mandates, and seeking
2: Christ as our treasure.
1: For us, God's grace is irresistible. We want to live in obedience to his grace and proclaim it to all who will listen. So thanks for coming alongside as we share in God's grace that is indeed irresistible. Today's episode is my cup half full that runneth over. So um, let's start with something
2: simple. What's something that inspired creativity in your life this week? Like, what did you see or hear that was beautiful or lovely and was the result of the inspiration?
0: Okay, I'll go first. Autumn makes me really nostalgic for my grandma. When I was a kid, we would spend the weekends at her house, and she had an apple tree in her yard. We would pick apples, and then we would make pie, and when pie was in the oven, we would play Uno. Just such a special time. She always had these really fun activities for us. Lately, I've really been wanting to make pie with my girls. So, we made pie yesterday. It went over pretty well. I mean, my entire kitchen was covered in flour, and my kids had to take a bath. (laughs) And it was right before we were having company. So, that was a little like, oh my goodness. But the pie turned out really well and reminded me so much of my grandma. So, that was what, that was something that was lovely that we created this week. It was really fun. So cool.
1: Miriam, I feel like you are definitely the most creative of the three of us. So I feel like you set the bar really high just now of like this really awesome thing that you guys did this week. My my creative contribution this week was we got new light fixtures and I'm the one who picked out what we got in the house so that it would tie like the decor of our house together. But it's not as sentimental as yours. Yours is so cool.
0: I love your light fixture. It's such a good touch. What
2: has inspired creativity for me this week? Nothing. I'm not that creative, but I will tell you that I'm inspired for Christmas. Is that, like, too early oh, yeah. to say? Tell us about no that. No way. I'm inspired because um, we were listening to a podcast. Miriam, actually, you and I both listened to it. And they the two women challenged, challenged women to just, like, think about how can you make Christmas special in your home? Not to follow trends, not to follow specific lists of, like, we have to bake cookies or we have. We have to do this craft, but like, what can you do? And I've been thinking about it and I'm thinking like certain lights, we haven't put up Christmas lights ever, ever. If you think about that, that's crazy because we've owned a house or houses for five years, but never outdoor Christmas lights. So we're going to do that this year. And then we have an idea for having friends over on a Friday and baking cookies And then all their parents coming over for the evening for dinner with us. like having a mom afternoon, but then dad's joining us later. Just a couple of things that I'm thinking through for Christmas, but never really did anything before. My kids were little, and we just kind of didn't. But this year, I'm I'm thinking
0: creatively. You know why I loved what they were talking about? It's because I've heard so many godly Christian women challenge each other to make the gospel the center of Christmas. I think this was the first time I heard Christian women challenge. These are really gospel solid women. Challenging women to make Christmas magical for your home and for your children. I know the heart that it's coming from and everything's in its right place. But that magic that we can bring into our home, I just, I was so inspired by that.
2: Yeah, exactly. That's why it spoke to me because it felt like it wasn't any kind of awkward pressure. It was just like internally think about how you can do this for your family. And make it magical. Like even like your grandma. I'm sure she never thought about making those apple pies being something to think about. But you still think about it all these years later. Yeah,
0: it doesn't have to be expensive. You don't have to drop a huge price tag on making magic for kids.
2: Yeah, so creativity. That makes me want to put my Christmas
1: tree up tomorrow.
0: (laughs) Don't do
2: it. (laughs) No, no, we won't.
0: So today let's talk about a sin issue that many of us are prone to. It's one that um, can have radically negative effects on our families and our homes, but we don't always address it. That sin issue that we're going to talk about today is grumpiness. We'll talk about why is grumpiness a sin and what do we do to fight it. Just a simple topic. I just want to say that grumpiness in itself is like the white lie of anger. It's just this low-grade sin that we sometimes don't even pay attention to. We're not like thinking, oh, this is something I have to confess, or this is a sin I have to kill, or this is something I need accountability for. But it's so prevalent in our day-to-day life, and it's not often talked about. So that's what I want to do today, is just talk about this idea that this is wrong, we need to kill it, but we also need to know what it is.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think that, like you said, I I don't think of myself as an angry person in general, but I definitely could describe myself as grumpy. And I think I, like, didn't want to put those two things together in my mind because I almost pride myself on not being angry. And so I'm like, oh, my attitude's all together. But in reality, like, you're right, the grumpiness is just a low-grade version of that. But it's still anger, which is sin and needs to be fought against instead of just brushed under the rug because it's something that's seemingly
0: small. Right. Like, we think it's not a big deal. We think that if we're not blowing a gasket or dropping a square, we're in the clear. But our attitude reflects, like, what we think about God. Attitude reflects, like, our own sanctification process. So let's talk about how do we fight for joy in our daily circumstances,
2: etc. I just want to piggyback on something you just said. When you said the word attitude, that's what struck a chord with me. Because when I think about grumpiness, I think about my attitude and, like, self-pity. When I fall into those things, like, that's when I'm grumpy. You know what I mean? So we can say grumpiness. But I'd like qualify it as what is your attitude? You got a bad attitude, stinky attitude, or do you constantly fall into this self-pity, this woe is me? That also is like something we're addressing. Not just like you're angry, but you don't really know you're angry. It could just be like super bad attitude and constantly woe is me, woe is me. You're grumpy.
0: This is such a hidden sin because... It's quiet. It's in our head. This is what we're talking about today. It's this narrative that God hasn't been good to me, that I don't have enough, that people have failed me, that other people have better than me. It's something we struggle with behind closed doors more than anyone would assume about us.
1: All right, so let's get a little bit practical about this. Um, I know I said that this is something that I struggle with. Um, in certain ways. But let's kind of break down how does this play out for you guys? What does grumpiness look like for you? And then um, we'll kind of flesh out how do we fight against it?
0: I think grumpiness really gets to me on the days that I'm not on top of my game. I get out of bed too late. I'm disorganized. I don't have a plan for the day. And then I end up like running late to work or uh, running around to try to find something or struggling at the last minute to get my kids homework done. And I feel like this is not my fault. This is the fault of everybody else. It's like my husband doesn't help me enough. My friends don't help me enough. God hasn't given me the kind of help that I think that I need. My family's far away, et cetera, et cetera. I can just fall into this state of self-pity that is just really not who I want to be. That mental state that I can fall into doesn't bring God glory. And it's not like displaying a lifestyle of gratitude my i think that the root of my grumpiness is when i see my own flaws and i can just be like so beat up about it it's my fault but it's also it can spiral into being everybody else's fault as well
2: that's a really good picture on ending up in grumpiness but actually realizing this was more self-inflicted than anything else mm-hmm. and you can't justify the attitude because there's such difficulty around you because in reality it could have
1: been avoided technically,
2: but there are times where you can't avoid it,
1: so yeah, I think um, I love what you're saying, Miriam, that a lot of times it is just self inflicted that you know you're almost just like throwing yourself a pity party. I think for me, it comes out in situations where I have set myself up well for success, but then it gets interrupted by others, so mm-hmm. for example, I've done you know maybe a really good meal plan for that week, and I'm got a great dinner planned for tonight. I'm in the middle of making it. And, you know, my kids are working on their homework on schedule like they're supposed to. And 15 different times they come and interrupt me right when I'm trying to measure something because they have a question about their homework. And I'm just like getting so fed up about like, I'm trying to stay on schedule, you know, dinner's supposed to be this perfect picture. um, And I'm trying to achieve that. But they're interrupting it. And then I end up snapping at them because they're trying to do what I asked them to do and do their homework. Um, but they're disrupting what I'm trying to have be orderly. Um, so for me, I think I put the blame on other people when in reality, I just need to stop and be patient, especially with my own children. I should be available for them to ask homework questions or to, you know, help them button their shirt or whatever it is and not get so irritated with them and let it just stew in my mind of how much they're bothering me in the middle of me doing my tasks.
2: Yeah, that's, that's such a great example because I feel like in general, if someone's in our way or disrupting our day or disrupting our schedule, our grumpiness is like, okay. It's like, well, obviously because you disrupted something, but it's good to catch your mind and say like, even if you've disrupted me, because these things are going to happen, people are going to disrupt your day and um, others will inflict conflict to your
1: day. Yeah, definitely. And at the root of it, you know, I enjoy helping my kids with their homework. I enjoy helping them with these other things, but there's something about it when they ask for help on those things, when I'm in the middle of something that just triggers this response from me that's just so sinful of, like how dare you bother me? Instead of me loving helping my children with what they need.
2: Yeah, I feel like I have similar incidents when somebody's gonna help me, and I want them to run their entire day around my entire day. And the, I'm, I'm realizing like it could be my parents trying to help me like watch my kids for something, and I'm like, why wouldn't you just listen to my schedule? This is my schedule. This is when my kids do something. But in reality, I'm like, okay. They're taking time out of their day to help and I have this bad attitude because they just won't comply with what I want them to do. And it's just sin, right? It's like If you think about it, you can justify it, but then ultimately it's just wrong and sin before the Lord. Um, but, so we've talked about you can self-inflict these situations. Others can inflict these um, instances. But then there are times that this is unavoidable you could something could be going on in your life where nobody did anything you weren't ill prepared but your kids get sick and now there's a difficult weekend in the household and it's tiring and um everybody's burnt out and you just have this horrible attitude and you're just allowed to be there because this was so hard i think that's where i would fall into a lot where the circumstance Was not self inflicted. It was not inflicted by others, but it was just natural, I guess. And now I'm allowed to sit in this misery, you know? And I feel like I find myself like, even in those moments when it's wrong, I then go on to like indulge in my sin. I think we talked about this when we were preparing, where it's like, now you're gonna sit in it and you're gonna go, I wanna spend time alone. I want everyone to talk to me and you're just going to coddle it, you know, do something for yourself, refresh yourself, which is those things are not wrong necessarily. It's just when the motivation is to coddle an already sinful attitude, it's wrong. It's coming out even worse, I think. And I catch myself coddling. It's like, well, I had a rough day, so I need a spa night. And instead of be confessing that Now, I had a bad day, but I also sinned against my kids, my husband, and asking for an apology. I'm just going to go coddle my attitude.
0: Mm -hmm. You know, Philippians 4, I think it's 14 to 16, it says, do everything without complaining so that you may shine like the stars in a crooked generation. I've been thinking about this passage. Like, why does it say, do everything without complaining or arguing so that you may be Basically a salt in the light. And I think it's because our attitude makes the gospel look so beautiful when we have a good attitude. And then when we have a bad attitude, it just can crumble the good work that we're doing in our homes and in our ministry. Like when we start to have this bad narrative about ministry, church, or friendships, like the good work that's been happening there can just fall to pieces when we start to have a resentful spirit about it. So let's talk about the basis of true joy and how does it impact the massive dish load or the, the sick days or the like, too, way too many errands to run or the comment that your friend made that just stuck wrong or month of being sick, et cetera, et cetera. What is the basis of true joy that can really change your attitude there?
2: I'm just going to jump in and say um, practically for me i think when i was um thinking through and preparing for this podcast i was so convicted about the fact of actually calling sin sin actually saying no this is sin and i have to repent of it and to then go back and fill my mind with what is true and let that change my attitude i was really convicted on how we passively address this and just don't fight it and for me I think I was telling you guys, sometimes I have such a bad attitude. It's like, if I have to confess sin, this is going to be every 15 minutes today. And I just don't want to do it. I don't want to spend an entire day that way. So I just don't. I just don't repent in those moments where like, I'm wrong. I shouldn't have yelled um, and apologized to my kid or apologized to my husband. And I just let it continue spiraling instead of just actually stopping and um, calling sin sin and leaning into the word of God to renew my mind and refresh to renew my mind and my spirit and my attitude unto what it actually should be
1: yeah, the verse that popped in my mind is from first um, Thessalonians 5 the verse that says um, rejoice always pray without ceasing give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God and Christ Jesus for you I'm thinking back to Miriam, what you said earlier about how it's so easy to fall into this mindset of like, oh, God is not being good to me in this because, you know, A, B, and Z is, you know, going wrong in this situation where in reality, he has blessed us beyond measure. And if we would just step back for just a second and think about all the blessings we do have, even in the midst of, you know, this five seconds of irritability in this, in the day. I think that that could change our attitude, but this is something I really don't do naturally. But I mean, the scripture tells us right here that we should be giving thanks in all circumstances, even the days when I'm not setting myself up well and I could end up grumpy or others are irritating me and I end up grumpy or my day just doesn't go according to plan. You know, my kid gets sick or whatever. Um, We're still called to give thanks in that.
0: Yeah, let's go back to the gospel here. God did not spare his own son for you but graciously gave him up for us all. And I'm going to paraphrase here, but scripture says that how would God not also give us all things? And those all things is the help that we need and the strength that we need for the day and the community that we need and God is our our help, God is our refuge and strength. So in the middle of what can feel like chaos, the gospel is actually all that we need. We don't need a cleaning lady or a better schedule or etc etc we need to depend on what has already been done for us on the cross
2: so i read an article um on a pastor who discussed how he fought self-pity this article is specifically pertaining to his fight against self-pity but he mentioned how self-pity came out in a cluster of sin anger blaming others bad attitude kind of like what we're talking about today and he said that one of the things that he was really struck by was that he wasn't actually waging war against this sin. And there was an incident where um, something happened, he came home, and it was a woe was me moment for him. And instead of just sitting in that, he went up to his study, and I'm going to quote what he said. He said, I turned my mind and my heart toward the promises of God and the surety of the cross and the love of my Father and the wealth of my inheritance in Christ and the patience of Jesus, and I just thought, like, if you could find a verse that would actually turn your mind to one of these things in your difficult moment, and renew your mind, and just like pour it into your head over and over and over until you change your attitude. This is how we would fight this. You actually wage war against the bad attitude um, and the bad attitude in heart.
0: Mm. The verse that's been helping my attitude as of late is Proverbs seventeen twenty-two. And Songs for Saplings turned it into a little jingle that we listen to in the car. But it says, like, a merry heart does good like a medicine. When I can feel that angst coming on and, like, the walls are closing in and day is a wash, I'll just think of that verse or even sing it out loud to my kids. And it's been so helpful. Like a merry heart, that's what we're going for. Like, God has given us this disposition of cheerfulness because we are in Christ. And that changes everything. It can change our entire day and it can change our family tree because our attitude in the home can have such an impact on our children.
2: Oh, for sure. This actually plays out on my house in such a comical way. Um, We have daughters. And so, one of the biggest things that we're after for them is just a good attitude, just because. They have a tendency to like whine and dramatic about the way they're saying things. So we say like, "Say it again, but say it in a good attitude." And you'll just see this like <laughs> they're trying to laugh and say it, but they're like still sad or mad. And it's just like if you watch them, you would become merry because it's hilarious just because <laughs> they're really trying to change the scene, but they're still so upset. But ultimately we could do the same thing, right? Mm-hmm. Just just try to start laughing out loud. Change your attitude.
0: <laughs> it's as easy as that.
1: I can't wait to hear in the next well, couple days watched, how this goes for you guys. If you watched <laughs> my toddlers do it, it'd make you laugh every time. I love that example that you gave. It's just such a practical way. Um, I know you said that you use it for your kids, but for us too. you know, If you're having a bad attitude, how do you put a smile on your face? Um, that's something that I think we should all think through this week. And um, to anyone who's listening, I think it's a good challenge is how could you practically cultivate joy in your home in the coming days?
0: We want to end this conversation about grumpiness on something positive. Because, okay, we are only human. Our bodies are frail. Our emotions are frail. Our hormones are frail. So if you have repented of your sin, if you have turned from it, if you're actively trying to kill it, um, if you have also gotten the rest that you need, Let's talk about, I'm just going to call it tips and tricks for creating cheerfulness in our home. We need to know what practically fuels us. I just want to remind ourselves that God knows that we are frail. He's not just like, hey, go turn from your sin, but he actually gives us these common graces to help us live out a life of joy. But we're all designed differently, so we have to know what actually fuels you. Mm -hmm. You have to know what actually fuels you. And not necessarily
2: what feel somebody else like somebody could be like you know what I need to go and get a pedicure I need to take a bath and be alone and that might not be something that really
0: helps you or really redirects your mind and pulls you up to like what you enjoy so there are common graces that we can partake in and I want to talk about what are those graces for you like what actually fuels you in the way that you've been wired
1: Ellen do you have any thoughts I think the biggest one for me is um kind of twofold. One is just kind of getting myself out of what it is that's making me grumpy. So if it's, you know, I'm at home and you know, the mess around me or the kids are running amok or whatever is stressing me out, just getting out of the home, but specifically going to just somewhere beautiful, going for a hike or even just like a walk around the neighborhood. Um and just kind of you know, leaving the cell phone at home, unplugging from everything for just a little bit, and just enjoying the beautiful creation that God has out there, and enjoying just quiet um but with people I love, so it could be um just with the family or sometimes friends come along, um and just having good conversation away from the chaos for a little bit,
0: yeah, for sure, I want to piggyback off that that sometimes I think that my grumpiness, when it boils down. Something that contributes to it is just this feeling of being lonely. Like, I'm by myself. I'm carrying this load. But you know what? The early church gathered together and it filled them with joy. And I do think that when we spend time with other believers, it can just pour this cheer. In, or it does for me. It just pours this cheer into my soul that just um, put a smile to my face for days on end. If, if I can see my good friends, it really helps me. I think that there's profound joy to be found when we gather with other believers. And that gathering doesn't have to just be at church or small group. That can be like going to the park, getting a rec center membership with your friends like we've done just so that we can be together. Getting a museum membership or just coming over for lunch or a picnic. Or like we're we're looking at winter ahead and trying to figure out what are we going to do to survive like four months of darkness in Cleveland. Game nights. And it's going to be seeing your friends. I think that there's something there that's really important that a lot of times we neglect because we have a lot on our plates. And we're like, well, I saw, saw everybody at church on Sunday, but now it's like Friday and you haven't seen anybody in five days. And if you're feeling overwhelmed and grumpy, like that might actually be a thing that you should do is like, hey, let's see some people. This is something I kind of had to learn about myself, I
1: think. I naturally am more introverted, and so I really enjoy having time by myself. Um, In a sense, that is where I find a lot of my refreshment. But I know that when I fall into these seasons of grumpiness and self-pity, that is ultimately what refreshes me, is being around folks who are going to speak truth to me. Um, Even if at the end of spending time with people, mentally I'm exhausted because you know i have been around people for so long my soul is so refreshed at the end of it um because they're just pointing me back to christ in that time together
0: yeah and it doesn't even have to be like let's talk about your sanctification alan it could just be like let's enjoy the good gifts that god has given us together
1: definitely and just enjoying life together i think is just it can be so refreshing and i fought against that for a long time because i enjoy being alone so much but it is, it's just such a blessing to be and community with others.
2: Um, Yeah, I would definitely say relationships. I think if you had to ask me off the bat, like what feels you, like hanging out with a friend, chatting about whatever, having a cup of coffee, and that truly is like what I like. I like to do that. Um, Obviously, I like to do like things like going on a hike. I like to go shopping by myself sometimes. But um, when I'm in the pits, it's my friends that have to get me out. I know this to be absolutely true because my husband will look at me sometimes and goes, maybe you should go out to dinner with your friend. And (laughs) my heart immediately rejoices. I just feel this like flutter in my heart. And I'm like, this is who I am. I need to go out with my friends. And my husband um, is very similar to you, Ellen, when if I say to him, how about you just have a night by yourself? Um, I'll take care. I'll put the kids down. You go upstairs and be alone for an hour and a half in your room. And I think his heart flutters because he's just like, "I wanna be by myself," and it's what helps me refuel, so
0: yeah, then there's tons of other things too, like for some people, it's like making a dish that you never tried before, a new recipe, or like like your husband's birthday is this weekend, mm-hmm. and your whole family is making like all of his favorite foods, mm-hmm. and that's gonna like that's gonna refuel him, and he's gonna be super excited about that. We have these things from God that we can, we have permission to enjoy. Or like your new light fixture. Like how happy are you to just look at it? I just
1: keep the light on all day just to look at it.
2: There you go. Tips and tricks. Spend some time with your friends. Go outside. Buy a new light fixture.
0: (laughs) I'm just getting started. I I ate the best tomato sauce this week. It like blew my mind. I was like, this is so good. I was immediately so refreshed and happy after mm-hmm. I ate this amazing meal that somebody brought over. That's how
2: I felt my the entire summer with like the harvest from our garden, we'd make a salad every day with our tomatoes or cucumbers and every day we'd be like, This is the best <laughs> salad we've ever had and it was you were truly enjoying something God gave. Food. Like we're we're meant to enjoy food, you know? So Yeah, Little common graces um, and remember, just remember the things you like, um, the things that give you joy and give yourself some time to enjoy it. Yeah. And
1: thank God that you have those things.
2: Right.
0: They're a gift from him.
2: You take that half cup that runneth over, make it a full cup.
0: (laughs) That's it. That math doesn't (laughs) add up, but I like it.
1: (laughs) All right, let's wrap this up on that pun. Um, let's all share quickly, are you a cup half full or a cup half empty person? I'm full. I am
0: empty.
1: So <laughs> empty. So <laughs> empty.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah. See, I would never know.
1: I hide it well, I think. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm a
2: total pessimist. And that's why we have to
0: talk. And issues.
2: I'm married to the world's biggest optimist, Seriously? which is why God
0: is so good to me. Yeah, I, I would have never known that about your husband. <laughs> All right, friends, thanks for listening. Do us a favor and share this podcast. This is our fourth episode. For more Commuter Ministries, find us on Instagram and Facebook. We're going to try our best to stick to a schedule, so expect another episode next month. Thanks for listening. Okay, bye. Bye. Bye.